0: Hello and welcome to Yerushalmi Pea, daf Yudches, in those other print. print. Um, one Ha'ara on the plot, and then I want to continue with the biography about Rav, Rav uh, Yochanan, the author of Yerushalmi. So um, this is actually a pretty famous thing that the Gemara is talking about whether uh, you plant the Chatsuva plant. Um, the Chatsuva was a herb, according to the Ritva in Bava daf um, Nun He'am and alef, if you want to look it up. And it's used for demarcation of property. So Amar of Chizda, or actually, Chizda Bai, sorry, Chizda wanted to say, Bahem Chilek Yoshua's Arts. It was with this specific plant that Yoshua uh, divided the land of, 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 by Eretz Israel. As Rav Bashem Rav actually had a different Girsa um, he, when he came from Babel, which we talked about the travel that took place. And he said, Bahem Tiachem Arts. With those, um, Yoshua used this Chatsuva plant in order to demarcate the boundaries of Eretz not in comparison to the Shvatim. Um, and the portions, which was one thing that he divided, but um, in, in comparison to uh, the outside land, what, what was in Eretz Yisrael. Um, so, big difference, but what, what does that mean? So it needs to be explained in Agadita, and I don't have a good shot of exactly what it means, but I do have a shot from the Ritva as to why Khatsuva is used, and that's because the way that it grows, it grows directly downward, and it doesn't spread onto, onto any other sides. So therefore, it's a perfect candidate for being used as demarcation. And demarcation and boundaries are all about not bleeding into other people's room and space and that certainly is a psychological point as well that if you want to have a good boundary it means staying in your own lane as well um and of course there's appropriate ways to be involved with other people's lives and to offer help and support and love and care etc but there's also an appropriate way for boundaries not to be a leafy plant and get involved in other people's lives so that's definitely a big part of splitting the land what is interesting is that it's a herb so that means that it has an influence um as far as taste so that's that's an interesting thing um and maybe that hints to something about Ertzisral, that Artistral, that Eretz Artistral is machim, that it has an influence um, on, on what we do. And just like a herb has a big influence on a, um, on a, on a um, dish that is made. Let's continue with Rev, uh Yochanan, because a lot there's a lot of feedback about that. So as I mentioned before, he was a first and kind of second generation Amora, um, who was coming off of the um, Tanam period. And um, he lived in Tveria, which we'll talk about in a moment which basically had the largest amount of uh, leaders for the future generations of Omorun. And he was considered the leading Talmud Kotham of Eretz Yisrael, and um, he, together with Anassi, literally led the Jewish community. So he was probably one of the most um, influential ones. He learned under Rihuda Anassi, as I mentioned, so he definitely knew Mishnah as well. He was certainly a a childhood prodigy. You see this because he had to have been about 15 or 16 when he joined um, the... um, the school of Rebbe, um, just if you do the math as far as how old he was, um, because we know Rebbe lived in Sipori, which is where Rav was born, only for the last 17 years of Rebbe's life, which the Rishalmi client tells us. So therefore, Rav couldn't have been more than 15 or 16 when he came to Rebbe's yeshiva, which is an amazing age to be, uh, you know, brought into this elitist Yeshiva. And... Um, he, even the Rambam writes in his, in his to Mishatora that Rav Yochanan uh, was one of Rebbe's youngest students, but he became one of the most um, illustrious and most accomplished, and even had a hand in, in helping with the uh, editing of the Mishnah, which makes a lot of sense. And he was there for a Bucky in Mishnah and Tosefta, which obviously uh, impacted Yerushalmi, which which he documented. Um, again, I mentioned that he was the Ubersher Richa in Yuma. Uh, that was in yesterday. And also, he was an extremely beautiful person. Um, so we'll, we'll come to that in a moment. Um, there's a very famous Gemara in, um, in Yuma, and Avodah and Yerushalmi also has a little bit of a gear set, but basically it says this story, that ur had a very painful ailment, and he went to a Roman noblewoman who had a, who has a, uh, who had a secret uh, remedy. It was probably some type of herbal remedy of some sort. And, um, he, you know, obviously paid her and, and got the refua. It was a totally legal thing. And eventually he even you know, begged her to tell him the secret ingredients, which which she eventually did. And because he loved Jews so much, the next time he spoke in public, he taught the the, the ingredients in a in a uh, in a discourse. And the noblewoman heard about this, and she was so upset. How dare you give this out for free? You could have charged money for it. That's what she was upset about. Or what about my money? But she realized that he did it because of his love of of Jews, and therefore, um, she actually, according to one opinion. Uh, converted and became Jewish. So again, the the love that he had for Eric Israel and for Torah and for Jews was was definitely something that was important. Um, the Gemara says that he was so beautiful. Um, if you want to know how beautiful he was, the Gemara says in Bava Metzia, Daf peh, then um, take a silver goblet as it's coming out of a crucible uh, while it's glowing, and fill it with seeds of red pomegranate, and put a red put red roses around the brim, and put it in a place between the sun and the shade. That's the glow of Ryochanan's beauty. So he was very beautiful. And the Gemara also makes note very clearly even that he was very large and fat. So again, back then, that was considered a very good thing. He was also extremely strong. There's a Gemara where he fell uh, on his way up from steps and saved his Talmidim. And then they said, well, it's a Gemara stuff. above the um, Daf, where is it? Samuk uh, Beza Madalaf. And basically, he saved his two Talmudim that were carrying him up the steps, and they said, well, if you're that strong, then why do you need us to hold you? And he said, I'm saving my strength for when I'm older, which is an amazing thing, just psychologically. Um, and anyway, the more points out very clearly that he didn't have a beard, even though normally having a beard is considered a, a beautiful thing, but he did not. Hadras Padam, uh, you know, is usually a beard, and there's Kabbalistic reasons to have a beard in Eretz etc I guess the Ramchal who got into so much trouble for not having a beard in Padua um, because he held were run allowed to grow in Kutzlaritz, so... I guess there's a lot to say on that. And um, we know he's actually the one that sat in front of the ladies' mikvah so that people would see an attractive person. And there's a lot to talk about about that, but I'm not going to go into that. Um, And again, he was probably one of the most central um, people of Eretz Yisrael. In fact, he's quoted by 170 people throughout Shas. That's what it's been calculated. He's quoted by 170 people. So that's, um, that's definitely a lot of notoriety um he we know i mentioned yesterday that he had tragically lost many of his sons probably 10 of them and he used to carry around the bone or something of his 10th son so i'll look as sure him exactly didn't be real what that means but anyway not for now but he did have a surviving daughter and it seems like they were pretty old when they were born from the Gomorrah and Chavez and Gitten um and he even wanted um her to marry at least one of the daughters um to marry his prize student Zuri but Zuri declined um saying that he was from Babel and she was er, from Eretz Israel. No, it's not that he didn't want an Israeli girl, even though there's what to think about as far as the cultural aspects. But he explained that there's a pure Yuxin uh, in uh, Babel, which is why it's a Gemara um, in Kedushin. Daf, Ayin, Olf, Base. Um Last thing I wanted to say about him was that um, the very famous Gemara, about his tragic dynamic with Rish Lakish and Rish Lakish's death, which is not for now, but basically the the... The insult that was accidentally given to Rish and how that impacted him, but Rav Yochanan, uh, really, um, he was an old man. Again, we talked about he, he was probably about a hundred or so, um, or over hundred according to according to many. Um, and again, Rav is very famous that his eyebrows were covering his eyes, um, and he would they would the his attendants would actually have to uncover it if he wanted to see. Um, partially because he was old, partially because he was a ball busser. i I mentioned this earlier when I spoke about him, that there's probably Kabbalistic things here as well. For example, one of the most famous Kabbalists is called um, Yitzhak Sagi-Nar, the blind one. And um, as they say, like the Bavitsali covered his eyes because the more you don't see, the more you actually do see. So there's probably some element of Kedusha there as well uh, from this reveal of that we're talking about. But basically, when Re- when Lakish died, he missed this Chavrusa. So um, he was replaced um, with a havrusa. Um, who basically would would bring him proofs? Uh, to what he said. So he told her Velazer that um, um, you're supposed to be like rich luckish with rich luckish. Whenever I would say something, he would have 24 kashes on me, um, and then I would have to answer it with 24. Uh, but solutions. But that made a give and take. But for you, you're you're just bringing me riots. He said, Oh, he missed rich luckish, and um, he actually the gemaran ba metzia uh, paid says that he eventually died from his sorrow of this and again, you know, with all the tragedies that he went through in life of losing 10 children and everything he endured and being a Yasum, that's not what killed him what killed him was the fact that he didn't have a chavrusa to fight with which is an amazing thing I saw a story by of Shach, it's hard to understand but um, also brings out some of this point that when his wife passed away she had been an amazing uh, rock by his side that had supported him but um, somebody saw him um, in the hospital, visiting her, and then when, she, when he passed away, somebody heard him saying these words, and he kept saying, shah, so shashui And they said, well, what's So he said that the Torah literally keeps me alive. I heard this about Rukhany Kanevsky also a similar idea, um, that the Torah is what keeps me alive. And it wasn't necessarily the grief that was killing him, but it was the Torah that was sustaining him and giving him life and purpose and a connection, understanding of Hashem in, in his most difficult times. And literally, that's what we see from the uh, holy Tanam and Amoron, that Torah was literally their life. All right, have a great day.